All right. Good almost afternoon. Uh, so, so today uh, we're going to talk a little bit, we're going to go back to basics again, fitting for the speaker, but uh, so we're going to go back to basics. We've had some very nice talks recently and we're going to slow it down and uh, kind of mellow out here a little bit. Um, so, you know, one thing that I've wanted to talk about for uh, a while, and I think a little bit I did last last time was the this, the concept of of faith. And so I want to I want to actually just start by asking, like, when I say the word faith to you, what what does that mean? Like, does anybody like if I say I say Mark, what what is what does the word faith mean to you? Uh, on the spot. So Mark said, Mark said, faith to him means believing when it's most difficult to believe. Is that okay? Anybody else? Henry? I feel like it's an expression of who we are. So, like the creed. Okay. It's an expression of we are in existence for this purpose. Yep. So, so that's faith of like what is our faith, like our beliefs, our theology, our right. And then Mark was kind of going on the other meaning of faith, which is kind of what is, you know, what is the tr the trust in God or the belief in the the actual personal belief in it, right? Anybody else have anything to add to that? Kathy? This came up actually at the retreat I was at <clears throat> this weekend, and I think it's really like there's a lot um, of questions around faith because there's so many different ways to define faith and what faith means because faith can be a gift. Mm -hmm. Faith can be a virtue, you know? Um, faith is something that we're called to do, like a, a fruit. Um, and faith, like our, what we believe in. So excited or what you um, are going to talk about. Don't be too excited. But. <laughs> <laughs> low bars, people, low bars. Yes, Sam. Oh. Well, biblical faith is like two things. It's believing first and then trusting. Okay. I like that. Sam, did you have... So I struggle with this a lot. Um, and so for me, it's faith in everything that is unseen. So faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Faith that, uh, that everything that we have, every breath that we take, is the will of God. It is, it is the faith that the Lord Jesus Christ spread his arms on the cross to provide us with infinite love. So we run our lives on faith, and faith means that we, we predicate our belief on all of those things. And sometimes that's very difficult when you're going through difficult times. So for me, it's the, base, the basic belief that all of these things are true. 
Okay. Thank you. See, this is the problem giving a talk like this at a church like this. Like, I can just like close the laptop and we're done. But let's go forward anyways. <clears throat> so th this kind of, uh, Sam and I have had these discussions in the past. And so, you know, I, I came to Sam probably maybe a month ago and I was like, y you know what, I'm, I'm struggling these days. Things are not easy. I don't know if it was the busyness of life or the trials at work and, you know, Jonathan you know, running around the altar after church, which he shouldn't do. But, uh, you know, things started getting a little heavy for me. And so I, I was sitting at the Hollywood Bowl, a very pious place, the Hollywood Bowl, <laughs> and listening to a non-saint, maybe a saint, Sting. And this, I don't know if you've ever been to the Hollywood Bowl, but if you're sitting in the seats, there's this cross at night that's just illuminated up and to the right. And it's just glowing. And, you know, not that this was the intent of his song, but I was listening, we were at the Sting concert, and the song, If I Ever Lose My Faith, came on, right? And so one of the lines in the song is, if I ever lose my faith in you, what else is there for a man to do? No? There is nothing left for me to do. That's what it is. And so I was sitting there, thinking about this, looking at that cross, I was kind of zoned out of the concert and just kind of looking at the cross, and it was just like really struck me. I'm like, I'm looking at this cross at the Hollywood Bowl, you know, and there's this song on talking about if I lose my faith, what else is there for me to do? And that was very poignant for me at the time, and so this kind of like got me thinking about this topic a little bit more about faith, is, and the, the, the overarching question I'm going to ask today is, is faith something that you have? Is faith something that you develop? Or is it all of the above, right? And so, you know, we go to the dictionary definition of faith is complete trust, uh, <clears throat> is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, Strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof, and a system of religious belief. So we heard kind of all of these things kind of being said with that initial question. Uh, another definition of faith is, uh, faith is deliberate confidence in the character of God whose ways you may not understand at the time. That's attributed to Oswald Chambers. I'm not quite sure who that is, but you probably should know. Um, and then, uh, finally, from the, the Bible, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that's kind of echoing some of the thoughts that we had uh, initially here. So, that brought up the question for me of nature versus nurture. Okay? So, I've got two daughters. Two daughters I love, like, beyond the, the, the ends of the earth. But they, they couldn't be more different from each other than, like, they are the two most different people I've, I've ever met. And they're two years apart, raised in the same household, same genetics, except for probably a couple mutations from my side. And, and, uh, and but they're so different, right? And so, you know, I look at them, I'm like, how, how are they so different coming up in the same house with the same genetics and the same makeup, the same treatment, and, you know, 
I get this question of like, who's your favorite? I'm like, why do, why do Egyptian adults have to ask that question? I don't have a favorite kid. I've got four kids. I love them, right? So, um, but it's the nature versus nurture question. Then I have this, this, this thing on the bottom, this guy on the bottom who's just like, uh, you know, he's, he's a little wild. And like, I don't know where that comes from because that's not particularly my nature. And you know, not particularly Sherry's nature, but he's a very, like, rambunctious, wild kid. So there's something, like, and we haven't even raised him yet or have done a very poor job of doing so, so far, at least I have. And uh, so he has this kind of innate, like, funniness and joyfulness to him, right? So that got me looking at the, the idea of faith in nature versus nurture. And I think we all know people who just, like, from the wound seem to have immense faith, literally from the womb, right? I mean, this is John the Baptist, St. John the Baptist, Shireen, thank you. Uh, Shireen is an apologist for St. John the Baptist, but, uh, and, you know, the description of when St. Mary went to meet St. Elizabeth was, in those days Mary set out and went with haste to Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy." That's literally faith from the womb. I mean, like, it's, it's, to me, an unbelievable description. And we know that there's something very holy happening here between St. John the Baptist and, and Christ and St. Mary and St. Elizabeth. But at the same time, we know people like this, maybe not from the womb, but very close, people who just have faith. We have saints in our church, St. Stephen, the, the proto-martyr. Uh, we have St. Therese of Lezoux from the, the Catholic uh, faith, right? So we have very uh, St. Abenoub, right? We have all these examples of very young people who have immense amount of faith very early on. And you have to say maybe some of it's nurture, but there's a lot of nature there. It's just in them. And then there's others like St. Peter, Right? St. Peter, his, the whole gospel is, besides talking about Jesus, is talking about how St. Peter is like working through his faith, right? To the point where, come walk on water. Okay, I'm gonna, I, I believe I'm going to walk on water and I sink. I don't have that faith yet. Or his despondency at the fireside, right? Where he's being asked about the guy he just spent three years with, who he's seen raise people from the dead. He's seen you know, create eyes out of mud and clay. He's seen people walk who haven't walked for 38 years, right, because of this man. And they're like, hey, are, are you with this guy? And he's like, uh, no, I'm not. I, I don't really know what you're talking about. Three times. And, you know, I've shared this icon before. I love it. It's St. Peter crouching by this, like, puny little fire and the crow just, like, you know, letting him have it. So, but St. Peter clearly was a man of faith, but that faith developed. That was nurtured faith. It wasn't faith that he was necessarily born with. Maybe he had some that he was born with, but it was nurtured faith. And he grew to the point where he was considered one of the, the pillars of the church, the foundation of the church. There's icons from 
you know, this, this bottom icon there is St. Peter and St. Paul carrying the church. And uh, so, so to go from, you know, top right where a rooster is like, you know, chewing your ear off to, to carrying the church, giving the, the profound profession during the Pentecost that he gave, um, being, becoming a martyr, being crucified upside down because he did not feel worthy to be crucified as Christ was. These are all examples of how his faith grew. And it grew in an amazing way. And we all know people like this, right? We all know people who were away from God uh, and, and through, through time, through experience, through whatever, which we'll talk about, came to really know and love God and develop a very strong faith. Um, you know, some of the folks that went to Homeboy Industries, for, indus- for instance, saw this. People who were in jail, who were involved in, you know, maybe killing or whatever and became, you know, very faithful people. People like St. Paul, who was a persecutor of Christ and became a very faithful, like the most prolific faithful writer of the New Testament, right? So we have all these examples of people who grew in their faith, who maybe started from nothing and became very strong in their faith. Um, and it's, the, the truth of the matter is, you know, I sat there and asked myself, which of these am I? And, you know, if I sit and think about it, I feel like just, you know, from early on, I don't know if it was n- nature, but there was some element of faith in my life from early on, for sure. But it wasn't anything like the, the other folks that, that I just mentioned. But I was somewhere on, on the spectrum of, you know, between the full nature and the full nurture, somewhere, somewhere in between. And it's not static. And that, that's, the, that's one of the claims I'm going to make today. Is it's not a static thing. Just because you were born with it doesn't mean you're going to die with it. And just because you were born without it doesn't mean you're going to die without it. And if you have it, you got to take care of it. Right? It's not something that you just let it, let it go. You know? This is one of the things about orthodoxy that's really beautiful, is that it's not a faith of just let it, let it do what it wants to do. Uh, I believe in God and that's it. No, this takes care. This takes a lot of attention. This takes a lot of purposeful, mindful uh, attention, right? <clears throat> so I, I like to think about this as like a garden. I, I, I promise I didn't plan this with the Buna, uh, Andrew, but we have a very horticultural theme today, apparently. But uh, it, I, I like to think about this as a garden. And a garden needs to be tended to, or else it's going to either become overgrown uh, or desolate. Uh, and if it's taken, but if it's taken care of and really tended to, it can be something beautiful, right? And so um, the one thing I want to say before we go into this discussion is, is that it's not, it's not something that is, um, it's not something we do, okay? It's something that, that we, uh, we can foster and we can nourish and we can develop. But the work of, of growing faith is not the work of us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent of action here, right? So we have been blessed by baptism and chrismation to have the Holy Spirit within us. The Holy Spirit's actually the agent of action here, but we can do things to allow the, the, that faith by the power of the Holy Spirit to grow within us 
or we can do things to allow that faith by the power of the Holy Spirit to dwindle and to, to die. Okay? And so I think of the overgrowth and desolation. I, you know, um, if I think of a garden, how does a garden become overgrown? It's just the guy who's supposed to take care of it goes on vacation for three months, doesn't hire anybody to take care of it, and just keeps growing. The weeds grow, the plants grow, and then it looks like a mess. It looks like, you know, it looks like a disaster. The weeds everywhere, plants growing everywhere, growing into the house, growing around the, the porch. It's just a, it's a disaster, and that's inattention. That's an inattention to your spiritual life, inattention to the Holy Spirit residing within you. If you don't pay attention to it, it's not going to develop properly. You're going to see all sorts of weird things popping up in your life, becoming important in your life, right? The, the fantasy football game or, the, or the, you know, the, the, the outing with so-and-so takes precedent over your life with God. And it just becomes overgrown and unruly and you don't recognize it. You can't even see the house after a while. Um, and that was one of the things that, that Randy spoke of was the sin of busyness. The sin of busyness is really a sin because it's an inattention to God. You just don't have time for him anymore. And so things get overgrown in your life. And your life becomes chaotic. And you don't understand, you know, you, you, can't, you can't piece what you need to piece together. You can't do it. Um, then there's the sin potpourri. It's like kind of like herbicide, right? <clears throat> we can do things to poison that's the, 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 the development or the nurturing of the Holy Spirit within us, the, the growth, the faith growth. The sin kills these, kills these plants. So you, you pour enough of the sin on, on your soul, you pour enough of the sin on, on the Holy Spirit residing within you, and it starts to choke it. It starts to kill it so it can't grow. And then you come back later and you see just an arid plain. There's nothing there. Um, worldly living, um, you have to give the Holy Spirit a proper environment to, to grow and to, to allow the growth of faith, right? So if you're chasing after things you shouldn't be chasing after, whether it's women, cars, men, uh, riches, wealth, fame, uh, you know, all these things, you're not providing the proper environment for, for the Holy Spirit to do the work that it's supposed to do, which is a relational work with, with you and God. Um, looking for a sign. This one was interesting to me because I, I, I read this um, on, a, on an Orthodox website. You know, if you think about it, some people, and I've been guilty of this, is that, you know, I've actually had this discussion with some of my friends. I've said, you know, if God showed me a, if God showed me a sign, you know, that would, be the, that would be the clincher for me. That would erase all the doubt. And then I, I, then I thought about it. It's actually not true. It's not true because look at the Israelites. How many signs were they given? I mean, they had a, a sea part for them. They walked across it. There's like a whale on this side, a shark on this side. They're walking through and then, you know, that, that should be enough. That, that should be enough for you to say like, okay, I believe in you, God. I have a strong faith that's going to grow. But apparently it's not. And that happens a lot of times with a lot of people. And there's countless stories in the Bible or, you know, like quails like coming down for you to eat in the desert, you know, in the wilderness. Like all these things are things that shouldn't happen, things that are absolutely miraculous. The Pharisees looking at the guy who just had, doesn't have eyes and now he has eyes and they're like, wait, who did this? You know, 
rather than like, you know, this is a miracle. Jesus, like, let us, let us worship you. It became, wait, who did this on the Sabbath? You know, just ridiculousness, right? And so I thought about myself, I'm like, would I be any different? Maybe I'd see somebody walk who I didn't expect to walk or see who I didn't expect to see in, you know, at work or whatever. And would I really believe or would I just say, oh, that's a, that's a miracle of science or that's a miracle of whatever? Would I attribute that to God? Would I attribute these things to, to our Lord? Um, and so I don't know that that's necessarily uh, uh, evidence or, or something that's going to result in growth of your spirit. It can if you approach it the right way, right? Obviously, these miracles are not just done haphazardly. They are done specifically for a reason to sometimes demonstrate to people the, the power and the might of God, right? And in some cases, they do turn, they do grow faith. Um, so, and then finally, um, this kind of existentialism and racing minds, this is another thing I'm guilty of. It's just sitting there with the doubts floating around in your head, right? You're just sitting there saying like, why is there so much pain in the world? Why is there so much suffering in the world? What kind of God is this that provides the pain and the suffering? And there's a lack of faith there. I've talked with Mike at length about this, you know. Why is there so much, why, why is what's happening in Israel and Palestine happening, you know? How could God allow this, you know? And so we, we, we let this circulate in our head and we say, well, you know, if I was God, I wouldn't allow this to happen, so it must, there must not be a God. And we see slowly this intellectualism or this existentialist crisis that we provide ourselves with turns into doubt and strangles the growth of faith in our lives. And then we have flourishing growth, right? Flourishing growth with a beautiful garden. And how do, how do we get there, right? Um, it's, a relation, it's a relationship. It's pursuing the relationship with God. You know, and it's all the standard Sunday school answers. But they're the standard Sunday school answers for a reason, because they're true, right? We poo-poo them and say, well, yeah, prayer, fasting. But we don't really sit and think what prayer is. We pray and, you know, I'm guilty of this, just getting James to bed. Let's pray really quickly so you can go to bed. And that's the extent of my prayer for the day or for the night, you know. That's not going to get you to having a good relationship with God, that's like, you know, that's an emoji on a text. You don't really, you're not really like spending time with that person. Um, and so it's a relationship that allows us to pursue God and the Holy Spirit allows that faith to grow through that relationship. So it's like earnest prayer. It's meaningful prayer. Whether it's through recited prayer, which can be meaningful and can be heartfelt, or it's through, uh, you know, spontaneous prayer. It's spending time with God. It's taking time to push away the inattention and the distractions of the world and spending time with God. How many of us do that these days? I mean, it's, it's horrible. I think about what I do with my free time, and it's, it's idiotic. I'm scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or whatever stupid news article about the horrible Chicago Bears quarterback is on next, Right? So, like, it's, uh, I, I spend my time, I waste it, rather than spending it with God. Um, fasting, one of my friends in, in the prayer group kind of helped me with this. You know, I, I fast liturgically in the cycle, but sometimes you fast 
because you need to approach God. Sometimes you need to fast because you need to eliminate things from your life and, and say, God, like, this, I want to I concentrate on you. I want to spend time with you. Like everything else is, I need to push aside a little bit. It teaches you to do that. It allows the Holy Spirit to, to help you approach God a little bit more earnestly when you say, I'm not going to eat that because I'm sacrificing that for, for my relationship with God. I'm purposeful. And it's not about sacrificing the food. It's about saying I'm doing something purposeful for my relationship with God. That's really part of the key to fasting is I'm doing something purposeful for my relationship with God. Because like not eating, you know, a dairy product or whatever, that's, there's not a lot of meaning attached to that. It's really why are you fasting? It's because you're, you're, you're setting, you're saying, I'm doing something because I want to be closer to you. That's what it, it, that's, you know, you bring a flower to your, your spouse on, on Valentine's Day. The actual flower is meaningless. It's, it's what's behind the flower. It's like, I, I want to tell you I love you, right? And that's, that's fasting to God. It's bringing him a flower saying, I want to tell you I love you, God, right? Um, pursuing scripture. We know that faith develops through the word of God. Spending time in the Bible, spending time reading the lives of the saints, spending time uh, really in the Gospels, really in the letters of St. Paul, developing your relationship with God. Um, the liturgy is food for our souls. This communion we had today is not just a representation like in some churches. It's not just a homage to, hey, Jesus, good job dying on the cross. It is the lifeblood. It's the life that we eat and drink on a weekly basis. And, it, it, and that nourishes the Holy Spirit. That nourishes the soul. That brings us closer to God. Um, and then also to surround yourself with, with godly people. To surround yourselves with brothers and sisters in Christ. When I'm in despair, I go to my wife or I go to my, my close friends in the church and they pick me up. Time and time again, they pick me up, right? And I'm thankful for it, you know? So um, surround yourselves so that if that doubt, that existential doubt creeps in, you've got somebody to kick you in the rear and say, hey, idiot, like, don't, don't go down that road, right? And sometimes he actually says, hey, idiot, don't go down that road. He knows who he is. <laughs> um, and then you can pray specifically for faith. There's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, God, I am unfaithful, strengthen my faith, right? It's in the Gospel of Mark, right? So you, you, we are asked, we are told we can pray specifically for faith. And we have the Holy Spirit in us. We can never forget that. Um, and then experiential by necessity. It's relational, but it's experiential by necessity, the issue that we talked about, the miracles. In some people's case, that will be what brings them to God, that, that miracle. But also take note of all, all the miracles, that many of the miracles that happened in the Bible were because the person had faith, God approached them, and because of their faith, they were healed. The one that always stands out in my mind, the one that the, the guy's an absolute baller is the centurion. I mean, I love that story. He goes to Jesus, my servant is sick. Jesus is like, all right, I'll come over. We'll, we'll fix this. This is no big deal. And he's like, no, I command many men. I have faith that if you just say the word, my servant will be healed. That's faith. And what does Christ say? He says, in all of the land, I have not seen a faith like this. 
right? That's baller faith. That's like what, that, like, if I can ever aspire to something, that would be what I would aspire to, right? That, that's amazing faith. He didn't need the miracle to see. He knew the miracle happened when he asked, right? So that's, that's, the, that's the, the faith. But for some people around, probably the people at the house are like, this woman's going to die, the husband or the wife of, or of the servant or whatever, they're like, wow, Jesus healed this person from miles away. I, 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 my house is now converted to, to, to this faith, right? So for some people, it is experiential seeing, seeing that, but it's not a prerequisite to grow faith. And I'm just going to leave you with a, just a little analogy here. Another one. Let's keep the light on. We all have these, well, we all used to have these water tanks in our house that had the pilot light, right? Or the stove that has the pilot light. And what I've found in my life so far is that my job is no matter how bad things get, is keep the pilot light on. Keep that little flame of faith, that flicker of faith that, you know, things are getting bad. I've, I've, encountered, I've encountered this problem in my life. Uh, you know, uh, a loved one just passed away. Uh, I lost my job. Uh, I'm, I have massive doubts in God. Uh, you know, whatever it is, keep that little pilot light of your faith, the Holy Spirit flickering in, inside you, you know, because, because as we all know, that's the, that's the key. That can, be, that can be ignited in a second and lead to a, a huge a huge fire, a huge warming. It's the pilot light. So just keep that going. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how tired you are, no matter how busy you are, how out of whack things seem, hold on to that, that little morsel of faith that you have because that, from that little morsel of faith can grow something just that will engulf your life, right, in a positive way, right? So, so um, that's a little way that I, I like to kind of think about it, I guess, when things are getting real in my life. Um, uh, and so I'd say, you know, I'll leave you this last quote uh, from a, a, a website, an Orthodox website I was viewing. For faith to grow and become stronger, it must be used. Each person should live according to the measure of faith which he has, however small, weak, and imperfect it might be. By acting according to one's faith, trust in God and certitude of God's presence is given. And with the help of God, many things which were never before imagined become possible. And the way I like to think about this flickering pilot light is that I imagine that maybe that's the difference between St. Peter and Judas, right? St. Peter could have let that thing squelch, and, but he didn't. He kept, even at his lowest, the, his lowest lowest, he kept that flame flickering and he turned into a foundation for the church. Judas, no one knows what his faith was at the beginning, but you presume that Jesus didn't just call anybody. He probably had faith. He probably had some faith. But his despair, his, his desolation, let that fire extinguish, and that led to his end, which was him taking his own life. He didn't believe that he could have that relationship with God anymore. And his faith was extinguished, and so was he. So uh, that's really all I have to say. I'd love to hear thoughts on, on this topic because it is something that I think about quite a bit um, and I would love to get your input and maybe push it a little bit. Um, I wanted to, um, you said something earlier, was, was a, a beautiful um, 
analogy that the church fathers talk about. When we talked about uh, St. Peter and he denied Christ three times, the church fathers say at the very end in the last chapter of John, when he's barbecuing at the beach, and he, calls the, and he calls him over, and he asks Peter three times, do you love me? That was like his confession, his repentance. And w- what hurts me is that Judas never got that. He never got that at the end because he ended it too, too quickly, too early. And that's something we have to remember, that no matter how desperate and how, how much we, how low we are, we have to remember that the faith isn't overnight. It's not instant. What happens is that sometimes Christ allows you to go that low, so later on, you get that repentance of that confession that you, that you, that you uh, are hungry for, that God will give you. And that's, I think, the patience of our, of our faith. We have to be patient with our faith, because at times, we, we can't give up, like you said, we don't give up that pilot light, because later on, there's going to be so much glorious repentance and confession that we get from the, uh, from the church that we hold on to. It's quick. I just, uh, sorry, I don't know how to use a mic, I guess. <laughs> Glad you're doing the sound for the church. Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one thing I, I've learned is that faith, if faith, if, if you got the answer to your prayer so quick, then that isn't faith, right? Faith has to be tested. And um, the more it's tested, then the more... Uh, you you benefit from that. So um, there are some prayers that can be answered quickly, and there are some that don't, don't are never answered. But it's through the process of, like you say, uh, keeping the pilot light on and um, maintaining your faith that um, you learn a lot more about your love for God than just having your prayer answered because it's not a vending machine. There's a, there's a love and it becomes more intimate when, you're, when your faith is tested and you're clinging on to God for whatever it is that you're praying for. So it may start off as just, God, please help me here. Give me this, give me that. But it'll, it should evolve. Your, your, your prayers should evolve into something a lot more deep and meaningful and becomes less about the thing that you were asking for to begin with and it becomes more of an intimate love and trust in God. And you yeah. even forgot what it was that you were asking for. Yeah, it's interesting how much of it is like, there's an aspect of trust in the prayer, right? But then there's also this idea of just like doubt about like, the existence of God or like is there really a God and like there's different like faith really plays in many different areas like I think Kathy you were saying it's like faith is like it's a very it's it's hard to just give a definition of faith because it means so much in so many different ways it's it's like a living thing which we shouldn't be surprised that it's a living thing because it's it's almost it's almost an attribute of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's like, this is an alive, real God thing, faith. Um, this reminds me of Hebrews 11, mm-hmm. uh, 6. It says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
Thank so, you. Yeah, you're welcome. That yeah. it, it's like you, it's impossible. Like we cannot even approach him mm-hmm. without the faith. And that, and that just reminds me of the gospel, like the mustard seed. That's all you mm-hmm. need. But if you, see, if you seek him, that will, you know, it will grow. Yeah, Hebrews 11 obviously is a very pivotal, pivotal uh, chapter regarding faith. That's the, by faith, this did so and so. Talking about the, the fathers and mothers of the church. By faith, Sarah and Abraham, you know. So uh, give that a read. I mean, that's really, it's an important, uh, it's a very important chapter regarding faith. And I have faith that the children will overtake us like weeds. Anybody else? Well, thank you. Um, I, I appreciate it. I'd love to hear from you guys offline too, just because uh, I, I, it is something that's very, uh, that, that I think about quite a bit. So I'd love to hear just different thoughts and ideas about this. So thank you. Yeah. Oh yeah, so uh, just to reiterate, there's a men's gathering on Tuesday evening at 6.30 in Irvine at a restaurant that I can't pronounce. It starts with a B, ends with a G. Some, but uh, it's on the email. There's an email for the men's, men's outing. So if you're interested, please uh, cl- go on the email. There's like a little uh, place to check off in case you're interest, interested to go and um, 